Welcome to Hope Anchors, everybody. I'm Johnny. And I'm Sean. And together, the two of us want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who we are to all that Jesus is. In Hebrews 6.19, we read, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. Yes, we do. Well, Sean, we kick off a brand new series today. Called Minor League, and it was kind of funny. As like as I was laying this series out and this year out, I was thinking maybe we should do minor leagues more like spring because that's when we start that's, thinking about. I'm like baseball uh, and pitchers you know. and catchers haven't even reported yet, and I'm going minor league. And even your logo for it is uh, the baseball diamond. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, how many minor leagues? How many minors do we have here? That's right. Yeah, it may take us into spring, but. Uh, yeah, so we are we're going to be looking at the minor prophets, and the only reason they're called minor not because they're you know uh, less of a book to look at than the major prophets, but just it's really comes down to size. Um, when we believe that it goes back to Saint Augustine, where he he kind of uh, broke up the two sections of the prophets into uh, major prophets and minor prophets, and then listed these twelve as the. Uh, as the minor prophets, but they're just, they're smaller. And uh, with the one that we're going into today, it's 14 chapters long. The one that I'll be doing in two weeks is three chapters long. Sean is going to do one. That's, uh, I'll do one. that's 21 verses long. That's right. It's just one <laughs> chapter. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of looking at the letters, you know, we've, we've some, well, last year we took a look at John's letters. We have the gospel, you know, gospel of John, which is yep. much longer than any of his letters are. But then we've got the three letters of John. We've got the apostle Paul who writes, you know, major works like Romans and well, uh, his letters to first and second Corinthians. But we, then he'll we have, even did the series on this rock, which were the letters from Peter. Yep. Yeah. So, so you can think about it like that. They're, they're in a sense, smaller letters, but even when it comes to uh, Hosea, uh, this was a collection of messages that he spoke over the course of about 25 years. And so uh, as we get into it, you know, I think too many times we sit down and uh, we'll read a section of scripture. And, you know, even though it takes us five minutes to read it, it could be that in that five to 10 minutes that it takes us to read it, it's spanning 10, 20, 25 years. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things that happens to us is we're, we're thinking that if there isn't something always happening in our faith and always going on that, you know, this happens and that happens, that something's wrong, uh, because we always think, oh, well, that's what was going on in the Bible. Well, sometimes you need to realize that there are pauses between chapters. Oh my goodness. There could yes. be, you know, 17 years between one chapter and the next chapter. So here we've got this, this collection of messages that Hosea spoke um, during a very uh, challenging time in their nation's history. Uh, Israel had been uh, taken over by Assyria in 722 BC. They completely uh, took them over and then exiled much of their population into Assyria, into Babylon. And so Hosea is, his messages have a lot to do with their faithfulness to God. And his message uh, so when you when you talk, I don't know if you realize this, but when we talk about knowing God, uh, having a relationship with him, it's just that it, it's not just knowing about him. It's actually knowing him personally and intimately. And so that word, the knowledge of God actually talks about kind of an intimacy that we would have, whether it's between two friends or even a marriage relationship. And so so Hosea's life, his very life mirrors the relationship that we 
maybe at times don't have with God and should have with God. It's meant to be a marriage relationship. If you read any of Paul's writings, you hear about the bride of Christ, that the church itself is to be married to Jesus in a sense. And so there is this the, a very real sense that being in relationship with God is a friendship, is a close connection with him. And that when we are faithful, um, it, it, you know, in doing what God has called us to do, it's, it's like we're being faithful in that relationship. But when we are not doing what we are called to do, it's, it's a sense of being unfaithful in that relationship it's, and unfaithfulness, you know, that's, uh, one, one of the words for it is adultery. Yeah. And this is exactly what Israel was doing. They were committing adultery against God. They were going after other lovers, though it wasn't um, sexual and relational in nature. Sometimes it was. Sometimes there were there were shrine prostitutes, but um, it was all about where their devotion was at. Mm-hmm. Were were they fully devoted to God or were they not? And so here, Hosea himself, now whether he was a uh, a known prophet at the time, I, I often kind of try to use some sanctified imagination to to see what this would feel like to a person like Hosea. But I think for any of us, uh, you know, maybe early on in our lives, we have a sense of the kind of person that we might like to marry and the kind of lives that we want to have. And I would imagine that Hosea was not dreaming this for his life. No. Because what God is telling him to do, and it, it often reflects what God tells some uh, other prophets, you know, they do some pretty strange things uh, in order to mirror the message of what God is trying to tell them. But Hosea, it, it could, this could be the strangest story. He, uh, he is told by God to go marry a prostitute. He is he's being called to God to to marry someone who's unfaithful, and from from the looks of it, is going to continue to be unfaithful. Though um, Hosea and Gomer end up having three children together. Um, but this this whole story of him marrying her, of being faithful to her, is this whole idea of God um, really coming to a, a group of people and saying, "Listen, I want I want to love you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I want you to be faithful to me." And uh, and that you know this whole picture of what happens where where Gomer then continues to go after other lovers. That's exactly the way this. This people group, uh, the people of Israel, did as well, and so um, they were unfaithful to God, and yet God would tell them that He is going to continue to pursue them, continue to come after them, and the kind of the overriding theme for me as I was reading these fourteen chapters in Hosea's prophecy is redeeming love, that God loves them. But he's also going to redeem them. He's going to purchase them for him for himself. He's going to rescue them because they think that in their freedom, they're just choosing to go after other things and live live life their own way. But when they did that, they found themselves in literal slavery. Mm. And God was going to redeem them from that. And that's that's what can happen with us, that when we're living our lives in rebellion, and we think that you know, oh, I've got the free. I, I, I want to do whatever I want. I want to live my life in freedom. Those things that you think are going to bring you freedom actually bring you slavery, and you be, you can become enslaved to sin. You can be enslaved to alcohol. You can be enslaved to to sex. You can be enslaved to relationships. You can be enslaved to social media. 
you can be enslaved to food, no matter what it is. I mean, you think that you've got all this freedom and, you know, freedom to choose and, but sometimes that those choices can actually lead you into becoming a servant and a slave to those things that you thought would bring you freedom. Yeah. And just, let's just set the story up uh, a little bit about Hosea. All right. Uh, Cause I've, I've got some dates here and everything else. And the span of his, uh, you know, you were talking about how long this kind of takes, you know, it's not like an overnight thing. And this whole idea of, of the book of Hosea and his, um, prophecy here, but it really says he started to record his prophecy in about 753 BC, and it ended around 715. So we're talking about a, almost a 40-year period of when this story has taken place, and how long it takes them from start to finish. Um, and the things that's going on in this area, uh, and we're talking the northern area of Israel, all right? Um, matter of fact, I think we're, if I was to Oh, the Northern Kingdom. So the people of Israel up in the Northern Kingdom, which is also the same area where we'll have the prophet uh, talk about where Jesus will first shine some light, which is kind of interesting. But when Hosea begins this, it's during a time where the, the country itself, the area itself is very prosperous, but morally declining. Mm. I mean, they are just, they're just, the, the morals are just not there anymore. And they really, the rich are doing fine and they're just oppressing the poor more and more. Uh, and, and it's just, and God's just had enough. And he's seeing how his country, how this, how his chosen people have just turned their backs on him. And we do it today. We go to church on Sunday, but we are turning our backs to him and everything that we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, it's Sunday again. Here we are. We're back in church again. Mm. And the same thing's happening here. You've got a you've got a man that loves a woman that's been told, hey, this is this is your wife, and you're going to treat her with respect, and you're going to treat her everything else. And when she's home, because they have kids, they have home, they're in a relationship. But then comes the next day, and she continues to be unfaithful. Mm-hmm. There's no difference between us and what we do on Sunday and what we do on Monday on how we actually, when we leave Sunday afternoon, sometimes we're just as guilty mm-hmm. in doing the same things today. And this is what God's just, he's had enough of this. And so when we are looking at other ways to not bring glory to God, I mean, we're, we're purposely doing this. It's one thing to try to follow Jesus and do the things that Jesus has asked us to do, and we stumble and we fall. But when you're purposely, in, in your heart, you know exactly, this is not right, but I'm going to do it anyway. Hmm. This, is where he's, this is where that whole uh, committing adultery against God is about, because you know what you're doing, and you're doing it anyway. Mm. you know you're going to turn away from him. And, and I think this is, when we go through these prophets, it's kind of amazing. I, I was looking at some things and how these prophets actually are speaking to the country of Israel. Most of them are speaking to Israel, and they want to tell you what you're doing wrong. God loves you so much, and here's how you can, this is how you can repent, turn away from this, and come back to that Come back to God's love because mm-hmm. that's what God really wants. This is a love story. Hosea is truly a love story. 
It has its tragedy. It has its love. It has its, you know, the ending. I mean, it's so beautiful, but yet I think sometimes we just, we get so caught up in Hosea and Gomer that we miss the big picture Mm -hmm. of God in us, that our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I bet you if we went through the last year and a half and and how many times, Johnny, you and I have talked about, we need to be in a relationship with, with God. Uh, it's probably almost one per episode mm-hmm. or maybe three per episode that we that we really want to stress that. And I think when we go through Hosea, when we see these prophets and we listen to it, how does this relate to today? How does this relate to Jesus's messages, to what he's tr- been trying to tell us? Because it's not, I think too many times we get so wrapped up in the New Testament that we only think of, well, this was Jesus's ministry. Well, Jesus's ministry was to fulfill God's mm-hmm. word in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. or as you like to call it, the First Testament, mm-hmm. because that's exactly what's happening. So when we go through this, I really like for our listeners to think about how does this relate to them today? How does this relate to our lifestyles today? How does this relate to Jesus's teaching to us? Mm-hmm. So. There have been times when I have had the opportunity to talk to people either before they get baptized or maybe even before they even come to Christ. And sometimes people talk about the fact that, you know, that they want to get their lives together before they come or before they do this or, or take this next step. And mm. I think this story really reflects a very different view of that because um, God's not saying, get your act together and then come to me. He's saying, come to me and I'll help you get your act together. <laughs> you know, he's the one who cleans up our act. He's mm-hmm. the one who fills us with his presence. And uh, another, um, I, I think another thing that this speaks against is the whole idea of, of religion versus relationship. Cause I think a lot of times we make this to be a set of do's and don'ts. You know, I need, I, I should do this. I should do that. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. Um, when it's the relationship with God that gives us, well, number one, it gives us his presence because you're not, when you're coming to God, it's not just um, uh, you living your life with God. It's God living his life in you. And so, you know, you're in, <laughs> it's kind of fun because I'm going to be in the, uh, in Joel's uh, prophecy and Joel's prophecy is fulfilled in the filling of the Holy Spirit in, in the, in acts. And so, um, but it's, it's talking about the idea that God doesn't just live with us. He lives inside of us. And that when you give your life to Christ, you're actually inviting his presence to come live inside of you. He's the one who lives in you and through you. And so when we talk about things like, um, you know, the fruit of the spirit that, uh, those, uh, thought those ideas like, you know, just faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that those grow in you, that those fruit grow in you as you continue to surrender yourself to him and his presence within you. And so, you know, a lot of times we, we make this out to be, Oh, I, I, I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that. When it is more about the relationship that you have with him that influences you to do what you know, what you're called to do. Just by way of reminder of what we like to do with our podcast is sometimes we end up talking a little bit more in depth of, of the conversation that we start on a Sunday morning. We continue it during the week. Other times we can take it in different directions. But this whole idea of redeeming love is really what God wanted to get across in uh, this message through Hosea. 
that through these 25 years of, of living life and really learning to love someone who is unfaithful to him, that people would take a look at the life of Hosea and realize that here's a man who, you know, he, he loved a woman. Uh, she continued to go after other men. And because she did that, she ended up finding herself now, whether the, she was actual property of uh, men who used her in prostitution. Uh, Hosea went to go find her, uh, purchased her, redeemed her for himself. And this is the, the picture that we have of what God does for us, that though we continue to go after other if you want to call them relationships, that God continues to come after us and to redeem us. And the way that he redeemed us was through Christ. That uh, Jesus, you know, the, the whole idea of redeeming love comes out of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That Jesus redeemed us for himself by giving himself on the cross. Um, you know, Johnny, you, you talked about just a little bit ago about people that want to get their act together before they come to God. This is the prime example, a prime example of how God is so redeeming. And, and folks, I can tell you on a, from a personal note that when you believe your life is, is trash, when you believe that your life is not worthy of the love of God, God right here in this story alone is telling you how important you are how much he truly loves you. He could care less about what you have done in your past. If you just come to him, he will, he's already forgiven you. The death on the cross by his son is already your forgiveness. And I think sometimes we are just so hard on ourselves, we don't believe that we are forgivable. And God is just reaching out to you. It's breaking his heart to think that you're not lovable when he loves you so much. And when you open your heart to God, when you come back to God and you just fall into his lap, hmm. and let me tell you, folks, there is nothing more comforting than to feel the arms of God wrapped around you. And you will realize I am worthy. I am lovable. And, uh, you know, your past is still your past. It's still, but it's not going to define your future if you let God define your future. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where Hosea, when you look at his relationship with his wife and you look at the relationship that God has with Israel, it's the exact same relationship. And, and, and that's the story. That's why this is such a beautiful love story on how, how much God loves you and how much he is pouring his heart out to you. And every time you come to him and he's ready for you and he reaches out his arms and then you turn around and you go back and you go do something stupid again on purpose. But God still has his arms reaching out for you. And then you come back to him. And then you turn away again, and God's still looking for you. He's still there for you, and he it's and that's what it's about. And then when you finally say, you know what, I've had enough of this stuff that I've been doing. The prodigal son is another great story of that. He comes running back home, and if we look at that story, what does his father do? 
His father's not sitting back waiting for him to come home. He's running after him. And that's what God does for us all the time. He's running after us. And that's exactly where Jose, Hosea is running after Gomer. He's just pursuing her because he loves her so much. And it doesn't matter. And one day she stops. Mm. One day Israel stops. One day I stopped. And I pray that one day you will stop and just go back and fall into God's arms and just hold on to him as hard as you can and start working on that relationship with him and working together as a partner mm. with him. This, that feeling, that redemption, that once you feel that you, you can't, you can't say, oh, I don't like this. I don't, this is not me. Because once you get that feeling, let me tell you, you can't turn away from it. You try as hard as you want to. And you can go back a few episodes where I was talking about the thorn that was in my side and I was tired and I didn't want to do this stuff anymore. I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do anymore. But I'm telling you, I still felt God's arms around me so much that it was like, I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. Because it was just, I didn't know what to do then. Because it was like, if I stopped, what do I do? But I can't stop because I can't stop. Mm. God's wrapped his arms around me so hard and so tight and it's just so warm. He's not squeezing the life out of me. He's <laughs> squeezing life into me. Mm. He is so, we just talked about this last week about how refreshing God can be. And this is what it's about. Because you're gonna you're gonna live your life to a point where it's like you're just gonna say, I'm not worthy of anything. How could God ever love me? Well, look at this story, folks. This is today. You think you're not love worthy. This is what God is trying to tell you is I can love somebody that has totally disregarded me, a nation that has turned their backs on me, that is going to other nations to look for help, to look for other idols, to go worship something else. And I still love them. Mm -hmm. I want them. I want you is what God is saying. Yeah. I, I'm I, That's just, to me, when I hear this and this story is just, it is a true love letter. And the reason I didn't talk a lot because I reflect on this <laughs> and, and I know how much it means to me to hear these words of, how much I was not, in my own mind, lovable. Mm. But yet, I am loved. I am loved by God. I am loved by my wife, Julie. I am loved by friends that it's because of God's redeeming love. We talk about being with others to refresh you. I'm around others that refresh me because they love me. And it's not because of anything that I do for them. They love me just because they love me. Yeah. And it's because God loves me. And folks, I'm going to tell you, once you accept God's love, the stuff that's happened in your past is just that. It's the past. And we talked about Paul's writings about how, you know, you can't look at your past because it's not your future. Uh, I can tell you, Jesus talks about how you can't plow a straight line if you're looking behind you. 
it's hard to do, folks. I'm going to tell you, it's hard to drive straight when you're Can't looking good. You know, yeah. So uh, Hosea is a great, great love story. And I would encourage you to read Hosea and understand this love letter. Don't, don't look at the characters as, oh, that's just a terrible person. Because sometimes when we do that, it's because we don't want to look at ourselves. Hmm. Yeah. I think one of the best reasons why I wanted to do this series is just to help you dive into maybe parts of the Bible that you hadn't been in either in a while or, or ever. So uh, pick up your Bibles, uh, read these books along with us as we go through it. It's not going to take you long. Again, some of these are, they're, they're called minor prophets just because they're shorter, not because they're any less important as you're going to see uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, So much of what these prophets have written shows up in the second Testament, the second testimony of Jesus. And so it's just really good for us to continue to base our faith on the entirety of God's word, not just on, uh, you know, small sections of it. Um, So we are really excited that uh, you're here with us. Thank you so much for listening to Hope Anchors. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 15, 4, he was writing about what these people wrote about when he said, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And that is our purpose, to give you something to anchor your hope to. Actually, to give me something to anchor my hope to. So please, whatever you do, don't ever give up. Keep looking up and keep hope alive.